This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Movies on Demand. Sunday night is Oscar night, so roll out your red carpet, remember who you're wearing, and be sure to check out MoviesOnDemandPool.com. MoviesOnDemandPool.com is the perfect way to host your annual Oscar pool with friends, family, and coworkers. It's easy to use, it automatically tracks your results, and it's absolutely free. Plus, you can enter into the Movies on Demand National Pool for your chance to win on-demand movies for a year. With 50 grand prize winners, your odds of victory aren't quite as good as Leo DiCaprio's, but... They're way better than Brian Cranston's, MoviesOnDemandPool.com. It's the ultimate free Oscar pool manager. Join now and enter for your chance to win on-demand movies for a year. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. And gosh, we're just a few days away from the Oscars. We've been building up to this moment since before we knew any of these movies existed on the release calendar. But uh, it's really going to happen, and there really will be life after the Oscars. We just don't know how to think about it yet because, wow, there's a lot of stuff to sift through here. So, I mean, this isn't my area of expertise the way it is yours, and I know you've got uh, all kinds of stuff to think through here and uh, a lot of reasons to be worried about things you could be wrong about. But it seems like you've got a list together, so let's start going through it. How are you feeling about... uh, your uh, your odds at this point. Well, I just got off uh, the phone with um, one of my favorite uh, Oscar prognosticators, uh, Michael Barker, and and we just we just shoot the. He's from Sony Pictures Classics, and he's very good. You know, he's one of the best people I know, and he's unsure about a number of categories. I'm not going to give away anything that he said, but but it made me feel a little bit better um, because there are so many close calls uh to make this year um and he actually uh, i i think i'm i'm changing my mind on something um i keep going there's two categories that i keep uh well we're gonna go through them we're gonna go through well, them. Let's, before we get into it i mean maybe we should just take a look at kind of like the history of the last few months here because one of the things that's been so fascinating about this season is that you know, there's there's been a lot of big picture conversations, Oscars so white, obviously the, the women question, but also just the the no, notion of front runners in a lot of these categories has been kind of misleading on a regular basis. I mean, it just seems like this has been a, a constant unorthodox year, so that no matter what happens on Sunday night, nobody can really claim that they figured this all out six months ago, right? No, although I will say that when the nominations came down, I was pretty clear that I had that vision, uh, if you like, that blink moment where I thought, oh, God, it's going to be The Revenant, you know? And and then I changed my mind and flip-flopped <laughs> and went back and forth, but I'm back on The Revenant, you know? And and there's just a kind of thing where you, you read all the tea leaves, and the tea leaves have been so disparate and disparate, you know, all of this, we've talked about it um, at this stage, ad infinitum, that the guilds are all different, and it's difficult. It's just difficult, and the preferential ballot is the thing that really, you know, and I hate listening to these people explain the preferential ballot and how if it's the third choice it could be the winner and if it's not the if it's 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 the second and third choices that are going to dictate and people who love a movie and think it's the best one would put it in second or third and and people counsel people and tell them this is how to get your movie to be the winner and that and by not putting it at number one and that makes me crazy 
That well, makes me nuts. Funny, it's, it's funny because nobody sees the full equation, right? I mean, I even, I'll tell you, with, with the New York Film Critics Circle, they, there's this weird kind of balloting process where, you know, if, if one movie doesn't get enough votes, they vote again. And so you can try to game that system in different ways, depending on how you rank things the next time through. So what you're talking about is, is Academy voters thinking in the same kind of way which is but terrible not actually, they should vote for the best movie the one they like but, but the other problem there is that they don't even know that it's all guesswork they're they're putting right. something that at number two or number three under the assumption that that's going to help it because other people might be voting in a different kind of way i was at to dinner last weekend and i was talking to this man who's an absolute expert in this kind of preferential ballot in elections in in other areas you know not to do with and he was fascinated by the oscar situation and he just looked at me and said absolutely they should go back to 10 if they don't want to do five if they want more movies to be represented go to 10 and don't make it the preferential ballot and a lot of people are coming to the, to the same conclusion at this point it's, it, it, there's a lot of reasons why the preferential ballot is, is, a, is a bad idea. If, uh, if most of the Academy members put Spotlight at number one, then that movie should be the one that actually has a chance to win Best Picture. You know, it, it makes me crazy that this it is, did... that, the, that the big short is somehow going to be, you know, the winner because more people put it at number two or three but isn't it, than I mean, Spotlight. I'm... I guess yeah. so, but I mean, I also feel like this just epitomizes a larger problem that people complain about with, with the Oscar season in general, which is that it's not the best movie that wins. It's a movie that's just good enough to have some kind of robust support. I mean, it, it often is not the movie that is just considered well, by... you're talking in terms of, like, the best movie who makes yeah. that call, who, who makes that decision. You're, you're, you know, that, that's, right. a, that's a whole other question. And, and you know, it's you reflective know, what we of think the is the best problem. movie. Matt Max isn't going to win. Yeah. <laughs> best picture. Son of Saul isn't going to win. But those are you and me both think those are the two best movies of the year. Remember, we thought Son of Saul was going to get a best picture nomination at one point. Well, I don't know if I thought that, See, but, you know. We talked. Go back it. and look at the. We uh, can rewind the recordings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's on the record. Well, let's go. Let's go through um, the categories from back to front, and of course, one of the best ways to win your Oscar poll is to get the shorts correct. And mm. and did you have a chance to actually look at all the shorts? Unfortunately, I haven't seen the best documentary short subject or the live action this year. I plan to over the next forty-eight hours. I just didn't get to it before this recording because okay. there's usually some good ones there. They are. They're all there. It's a, it's a very, very strong selection this year. And I would say that the best live action short, which I feel fairly confident about is shock. And I, I it, it's just a, that's a blink thing. It's, it's, it's actually also considered to be the favorite at gold derby for whatever that's worth. Okay. S H O K. So what is that movie? Cause nobody's probably heard it's, of it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movie set in a war zone. Sorry, it's no. set during the Kosovo war with Serbians and Albanians. And, uh, it, and it's very beautifully shot and moody and, upsetting and i just think given you know the other ones are all good by the way all good but they're not um they don't combine the serious subject with the gorgeous filmmaking the same way that this one does okay so that's just some one of those things where it's just you look at it and you're like people are going to remember that one above all else so shock done deal all right I'm, best documentary I'm, short is much more difficult because there's so many good ones and I 
was thinking it would be Body Team 12, but I changed my mind. And I think it's The Girl in the River, The Price of Forgiveness. And I'm a little worried because a lot of people like this other one called Chow Beyond the Lines. Girl in the River is uh, a very upsetting story about um, a Pakistani girl whose family is so outraged that she wants to marry for love and that she, when she's forbidden to do it, she runs away, that they try to murder her. The father and the uncle try to murder her. And the, sh- the movie shows how the powers that be in the community can override the law. If she's willing to forgive her father and her uncle, she can get them out of prison. And every, all the men in the community are weighing upon her. And, and socially, the, the pressure is so great that this girl who does not want to forgive her father and her uncle for literally shooting her in the face and throwing her in the river to die and drown, and she managed to survive and is living happily with her with her husband. Um, that's a very disturbing movie. That, that movie really got me, and it's beautifully made. Body Team 12 is about people who, in, uh, during the uh, Ebola um, uh, incredible Ebola epidemic, were, were the people that went in to, to pick up and wrap up the bodies, right. why they did it and why they, they uh, felt that it was the right thing to do. So that's maybe the mo- most topical option, where it's Girl in the River is, you know, what maybe people had hoped he made me Malala would have been, which is this sort of rousing tale of, of somebody surviving and, and, you know, immense social upheaval. It has the most emotion, although a friend of, you know, some people who like uh, the one about the, the, the crippled uh, victim of Agent Orange, uh, who wanted to be an artist despite all the difficulties of being, you know, incredibly this poor, poor, warped, crippled body, um, having to paint with it with the mouth. You know, that kind of thing has done well in the past as well. So, what about um, the Holocaust thought? Is it, that's is, a good one. The Claude Landsman one is very good. I loved it. I'm the cinephile uh, vote for that, but I'm being calculated here. So you're saying Claude Lanzmann's Spectres of the Show, it's not, it's, it's more of just a movie movie than it is a Holocaust movie. Which... It is a Holocaust movie in that he's pre- presented as very heroic in terms of what he did, in terms of the years of his life that he gave away to invest in making this extraordinary movie that nobody wanted him to, to put that much time and energy into and that he felt strongly had to be... Um, done the way that he did it, which was beyond the call. Um, and you see it. And it's it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, okay, but you're, you're going with Girl on the River right now. I am. You're feeling Girl on the River. All right, so that's a tough category to call, but we'll definitely have to uh, regroup on that one after, after uh, we see who wins. So the only other short film category we haven't discussed is the animated one, which seems like a done deal, right? And maybe some of the best news. Uh, you could come- love it, the animated short World of Tomorrow, and so do I. And I think it will actually beat out the Pixar movie, Sanjay's Super Team. I like Sanjay's Super Team fine. I think it's, you know, it's a nice little compact story, but World of Tomorrow really reaches for something special in a certain kind of way, and I, I haven't heard anybody who hasn't really been blown away by it and i've watched it a few times myself it's now on netflix so that's going to be probably one of the more exciting triumphs if it happens just because it's 
a one-man army who made this really amazing movie. So that's it's lovely. It's lovely. And one of the things that's great about the animated short category is that several of them are hand-drawn, and they're just lovely to, to, to watch. You it's, know? A, it's some of the most independent artistry. In, in yeah, the, it's see lovely. It. Yeah. I, and there's some programs where they're traveling around the country, and you can see them at your local theater, and I totally recommend that people people do that. Best foreign language, um, you and I both, I think, agree that Son of Saul should should take it. And, and if there's a spoiler, it, it's probably Mustang. That's been the case for a while now. But I have to say, I mean, I've watched all of these movies now. Um, there's a couple of things that are worth noting here. One is that all the issues surrounding diversity this year are somewhat assuaged by this category, at least because it's got one woman director and a film from the Middle East, uh, a uh, Danish film. It's just a, a film uh, from Colombia. Film come from Colombia. I think people who have seen it, you know, are embracing embrace of the serpent. But yeah. um, I still think Son of Saul has got to be the favorite. Right. But embrace of the serpent. Wouldn't it's done very well at the specialty box office. I mean, if that movie had kind of been in the conversation longer, I wonder how things would have played out. It's interesting that they waited so long to open it. Um, but it, it paid off. They they actually they did well at the box office, so it doesn't seem to have hurt them. In any that case, sense. Son of Saul is, is really, I mean, we talked about the Holocaust movie slot, but outside of that, I mean, it's just uh, it's such an experience. It's so hard to shake, and your pal Michael Barker at Sony Pictures Classics really campaigned for it. So, they did well. So it's sticking out. So best documentary feature... Um, Everybody is, says Amy, right? Is is, is the popular uh, one, but I have to tell you that in, there's a niggling feeling. You know, this is the main. This is the whole Academy voting, and the horrible truth is that many of them don't see all of the films, and they don't admit it, and they vote anyway. And uh, I think that. You know, on that basis, Amy being the biggest hit, the one that everybody has heard of, the one that got great reviews and lots of press attention, becomes the favorite. But, um, and I also think that the look of silence is simply too difficult and challenging for a lot of the Academy, the mainstream Academy, as much as it deserves to win and should win for on the basis of both films. Um, I, I'm not feeling it for any of the others catching up with Amy. I just don't feel it. Interesting. So you're going with Cartel Land. No, I'm going with Amy. <laughs> but it could Cartel be Cartel Land is the story behind the story. And I think when people look at the actual movie, it, it is it doesn't me- I mean honestly it doesn't measure up to the other films. It's 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 it's, it's a stunt. It's it's extraordinary what Matthew Heineman the- did. The conversation with the Revenant isn't it the the story behind the movie is kind of fueling the campaign and really no question that's why Cartel Line got a nomination you know yeah. there's no question and has won plenty of awards too it's it's like he's he's getting rewarded for his bravado but I think if you just look at the movies um, I mean my, I think what happened to Simone is a more sophisticated and complicated and incredibly executed movie there's a part of me that wonders if being a woman director isn't an advantage in this year of questions about diversity um that it, I, i've asked myself that question but simone would be a, that would be a big upset i mean a yes. lot of people didn't think it would even be nominated so. i always knew it would be i don't know why but i thought it would be i thought that it was the right uh 
movie for well, the for the, Denver, the reason for, they got the it documentaries and, and netflix just campaigned really hard they have two slots in that category I mean, they do a really good job but i picked both winter on fire and what happened miss simone as likely contenders and front runners way before i was registering that netflix was was campaigning effectively which they did by the way um, but I don't think that, I don't think those campaigns on the, do- I don't know. I don't know why I feel so strongly that the documentaries should rise above their campaigns, but maybe that's silly of me. In any case, you're still putting Amy down. I am. All righty. So let's move on. Should we talk about some below the line categories here? Well, I've got animated feature on my chart next. Let's move on to that one then. Uh, and that's easy. That's inside out. There's nothing that, that could possibly take it away. Nothing can that's top. That's a safe uh, one. <laughs> it's just untouchable. Exactly. Which is, you know, this is one of the more compelling selection of animated films they've had in a long time. You know, two two foreign films, three foreign films. Um, and this this claymate or this stop motion thing that Charlie Kaufman made Anomalisa, which I love. So Me too. I'd go for that one, except that obviously Inside Out's got it in the bag. So, so moving then, on. Then I have visual, visual effects, which is an interesting category because the conventional wisdom is that you have to have a Best Picture nomination to win Best Visual Effects, and that would lean toward The Revenant, The Martian, or Mad Max. But um, this year, I'm going in a different direction because I think that they want to give Star Wars something, even though I don't think it's necessarily the best visual effects. And the Mad Max Fury Road argument is that it isn't as, um, that it's a lot of practical effects. And some people say that's a good thing. They're going to want to reward that. And other people don't think it, it reflects, you know, there weren't that many big digital effects in Mad Max Fury Road. There were some, but it wasn't, it was mostly a practical stunt movie. And, and the stunt people are, are, are protesting outside of the Oscars because they want to be, right. you know, have their own category. So well, they I'm, should. go ahead. No, I would say they should. But, I mean, so what you're saying, you're envisioning somebody looking at their ballot. And it's worth noting on these ballots, it's not listing the names of the people. It's just listing the movies. And a lot of people are going to say, well, I'll give one thing to Star Wars. And, and that's just sort of like right. enough people are thinking in that way so that they work. So it's almost like the way critics do their top ten lists. And they're like, well, I want to get like one kind of bigger movie in there and one edgier option, something like that. They could. Um, I think. I just think there's a lot of, of support for that for that movie, and it, obviously the visual effects are terrific. Um, so I think I think it's going to go that way, and, and it did well, um, you know, at the VES Awards and so forth. And um, but th- th- that's not a sure thing by any means. I'm just betting that way. But you're putting it down, and people are going to use your ballot. It so. may be that Mad Max gets that one, but I'm 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 assuming that Mad Max is going to get. It would be a safe thing to put Mad Max into a lot of these tech categories. But next we come to the sound editing and sound mixing. And a lot of people don't really know the difference. (laughs) Unless you work in that field. And I have trouble with it, too. I do, too. Uh, But the mixing has to do with the levels and how they they you know how how clear something is and sure. and 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 there's two movies that have amazing amazing sound this year and they're the revenant and mad max fury road so there's an argument for uh splitting it so that maybe the mixing would go with the revenant and the editing would go 
with Mad Max. I was going to do Revenant for both, but I'm debating this. I'm really debating which which way to go. Well, I mean, it, because you, you could lose if you get it wrong, you lose both. That's the problem. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to wonder though. I mean, so everybody can vote in these categories. How many people voting in these categories are really thinking about the kind of nuanced differences between them, or is it? Do you, if you choose one movie in one category, is it an easy assumption that it will win the other one as well? It isn't, and 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 so it, it in a in a weird way, it's safer to put the one you really think is the most likely in both. That's what I do. And so your final call in this yeah, regard, the revenant. Is the revenant. So the revenant's got those locked down, which is interesting because I don't remember the sounds of the revenant as much as I remember all that clashing and clanging in Mad Max, or you know, for that matter, Star Wars. I mean, it's Star Wars. Close. That's the problem. I don't know the obvious answer here. The differences between the categories, I think, is, is worth noting, too. I mean, seeing Sicario and sound editing, but not for mix, for example, is, is uh, you know, it tells you that people are actually paying attention to, to that distinction because, you know, they do work in the field after all. So it, it, you kind of have to think like a craftsperson when, when evaluating these categories. It's true. So best song, I have an unconventional, I'm going to flag this one. This is the one where I'm going with something that is not the favorite by any means. The favorite, the one that everyone else is going with, is Lady Gaga for The Hunting Ground. And the re- and I've been going back and forth. I've changed this like five times <laughs> already. I've gone back and forth. But she killed it last year when she performed uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I so know, at the beginning I know. Of- I don't know how to explain it, but there's something about the way that that meme video with Leonardo dissing her at the Golden Globes or the degree to which she's been perhaps overexposed, some of the backlash to her David Bowie tribute, which personally I liked, but a lot of other people did not, um, at the Grammys. I don't know how to explain it, but I have a, a hunch that they could go for the the super cool black guy. Fifty Shades of Grey earned it the weekend. And and that's just a hunch. But they have Joe Biden introducing Lady Gaga. Even Again, the- that's overkill. <laughs> that's overkill. I, I just I, I think this the especially with Best Song, it has nothing to do with the movies. It has nothing to do with the the um it has to do with, oh, Selma, we've got to give the song to Selma. Right, right. They're that's the, the logic I'm following. Here. I mean, that's why it was like last year, I remember we, you know, the Gaga performance was great, but then watching that that uh, performance by Common and then they won right afterwards, that felt like the most obvious fit, you know, even though that movie wasn't a front runner and really anywhere else. Everyone knew it would win Best Song the day of the nominations when only it only got picture and song. And similarly, I I, I don't want to be offensive here, but if, if, if Straight Outta Compton had a song, it would win. You know, it's, it's a similar, but this is Fifty Shades of Grey, which is not the same thing as Straight Outta Compton. I just like, I personally like this song the best, but 
know. I mean, and then in the weekend's an interesting character. Yeah, I mean, he's it's great. Kind of neat if if you're right. So so you're putting that down. That's a. I'm, but I'm I'm giving you you know all due warning that that's right. not the favorite. But uh, um, nevertheless, <laughs> you're putting it down. And I like I like the Honey Ground song too. I do. I, I and I like Lady Gaga a lot. So uh, you know, all power to her if she wins. So what um, do we got next? Score. Score. So I'm going with Ennio Morricone, the oldest. And he's never won a real Oscar. He's won an honorary Oscar after That's awesome. all his nominations. Great. And I think uh, it won the BAFTA. You know, it seems to be the one that is favorite, favorited. And I agree that it will. That it I mean, will. I know some of the score was used from older material, but I, I don't feel like that's a knock on this movie. And, and in many ways, it's an endorsement of Morricone's legacy in a way where, you know, John Williams doing another kind of remix of his Star Wars score is not and the other movies I think are, are fine but really that, that Morricone score is, is quite something so that that's great okay yeah and I, I would be happy if it was Williams but in his case he's won so many times so yeah. no one seems to feel uh, you know, he, and he did an amazing job I think I think Williams score for Star Wars is just, it really you're very aware of it when you watch the movie how much it it powers the film and I think Carter Burwell he got his first nomination for Carol and it's so great and he did Annalisa too that I wouldn't if, if somehow Carter Burwell got not you know one I wouldn't be shocked but he's as, great. As, he's a really talented guy. I mean, his, his work with the Coens is always amazing. I mean, he's just consistently doing really fascinating, you know, right. kind of playing with certain conventions, but also doing something that's a little bit different. And so I'd, I'd be supportive. I mean, it's an interesting category in that sense that you have a whole bunch of different kinds of approaches to how to tell a story through music. But I do think there's a lot of emotion behind Enya Morricone, sort of similarly to the way they feel about Sly Stallone. You know, it's, it's, it's totally. I, I think they'll go for it. And then um, best production design, I'm going with Mad Max. Finally. <laughs> something that movie's got to win something <laughs> well i've got it giving i'm giving it some good ones so so i'm giving mad max to production design and and the and, and other people think you know it could be the martian or it could be the revenant or something i just think that that mad max has the scale and scope and detail and the invention of this world that's just beyond any of the other films as well done as they are right Right. Okay, so what else you got in the blow the lines? Best makeup and hair goes to Mad Max, too, for the same reason. That's a weird category, right? Yeah. The and... 100-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared. I mean, it makes a guy look pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> There's some to it there. But... <laughs> and then editing, I've got... Uh, this is a tough category. This is probably the toughest one along with Best Picture. This is one of the kind of blockbusters of the blow the line fields. You really have to like because everybody really thinks hard about editing in a way that some of these others, you know, there's some people who who know more than others in that respect. I mean, a lot of different things going on here, right? Mad Max, Revenant, those things are doing th- much more complicated things than something like Spotlight, which is telling a more straightforward story. It's so. a sign of how strong Spotlight is, though, that it actually made it into this category that right. the it's a very, editors very... recognize how well edited it, it right. is. Whereas Big Short is like a million different things happening on many different levels at once. So it's a totally different style 
on top of all that. Well, the spotlight thing, to, to, to be fair, you could almost argue that, that there was a very high degree of difficulty because it was a lot of talking heads in, you know, uh, ugly rooms, you know. It doesn't have all the advantages of, of, of another kind of movie, and yet they created incredible tension and emotion. Um, but I'm going to go... In this case, as much as my heart would like to give it to Margaret Sixel, the wife of George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, because she did an incredible job. And I think she's the one who could spoil this and be the winner if, if I'm wrong. Uh, but I'm going with the big short. And the reason for that is because it won the PGA. That's my reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the. There is enough support for that movie where you would think it would win something. I can I can see that, especially with the Guild support in that respect. I would also say that that's a movie that from the first two minutes makes you think about its editing. No I mean, question. The, it's just, very showy and it's very that, obvious. First, Mark Ryan Gosling talking to the camera, then this crazy montage of documentary footage of the 2008 collapse, and then, then you're in it. That's what sets the stage. And, and, and that sticks with you. For all, despite some of the issues I have with the movie, I do think it's really well assembled and, and is almost as, as, as deserving as something like Mad Max would be. So, But you're going to go with Big Short, so that's a very... Uh, this is very hard to call. And, and tricky, um, yeah. uh, my heart is with, is, I think, I, th- I think the editing of the big short is amazing. Okay. I think it's extraordinary and showy and, and it makes the movie work. So, right. and I think that's also true of all the other films in the category, but uh, that they make the movie work. But this one is, is the one I think it will win. It doesn't mean it's going to win Best Picture, by the way. They do split. They don't always go along. Basically, you don't get to win best picture unless you're nominated for editing that's the stat to be, to pay attention to but but you you uh just because you you win editing doesn't mean you necessarily win best picture does that make sense yeah i mean it, it seems like that that's the sort of logic in play here i mean and it's still leading you down some risky pathways, but it, but it certainly would uh, make sense in retrospect. So, All right, you know. so then I'm going with Mad Max again for costume design. And this is another tight category because Cinderella would be the favorite for many. Um, and even I, if you haven't seen it, they'll just make that assumption, right? It's the showiest and the costumes, the period, Prana, the biggest, yeah. most gaudy, most, uh, outrageous costumes, and 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 ordinarily I would say Cinderella gets it, and I did earlier in the season have Cinderella at number one, and then I went to Carol, and then I thought, oh my God, the two of them are going to split because it's Sandy Powell, but people don't know that it's Sandy Powell, so I twisted myself into a pretzel and ended up with Mad Max Fury Road for costume on the basis of big scale and scope and detail across all those people, all those costumes. It's just got to win. And it's just badass. I mean, it's, there's an iconography element to the right. popularity of this movie and people getting in Morton Joe tattoos or, or whatever. I mean, it's just all across the board. It's, it's the way that this movie makes its world believable and the way that people appear in it that makes it work. So that's... That seems like a no-brainer. I'm good. I'm good with you there. And then cinematography, I'm pretty clear that it will be Emmanuel Lebeski for The Revenant. I don't think anyone else will win this. Yeah, I mean, it's just thinking more and more, as, as somebody reminded me recently about how just the 
the names of the of the movies show up on the ballots rather than the people. It does make sense that you know the argument that well Roger Deakins is overdue, whereas Lubezki's won the last two years in a row isn't necessarily as obvious. In that sense, it seems like yeah, Revenant's a pretty damn well shot movie, and and some of those shots are the best things about it. So, and some of them, I think the people in the Academy, the, especially the crafts people, they just the, the, that cinematography is it was placed front and center in this movie. It was about the cinematography. It was about giving him everything that he needed to make the most beautiful shots he could possibly make. Revolutionary use of, of a new camera in a way that had never been used before and uh you know they, they, they it's shivo's you know there's no way he's not gonna get it all right let's run through some of the biggies all right so then we get to adapted screenplay and original screenplay and they're gonna go with the wga winners so big short wins adapted spotlight wins original and god forbid they don't win best picture these are the only things that they're going to win. I mean, if Big Short doesn't get editing as well, these are these could be the only things they win. But I don't think anything will take it away from them. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that, that a movie only wins one thing that had been considered a frontrunner for a really long time. I mean, look at Boyhood last year. But what about something like Straight Outta Compton? You don't think people are going to say... Hey, that whole diversity issue, like this is where to, you know, show some support. There is a theory to that effect, and I've heard that argument made, and it's a valid argument, but I just don't think, uh, I think a lot of the factors that took straight out of Compton out of the best picture race are going to come to roost here, too. So the respect for Spotlight is higher than the need to do something... No, that's true. I think that's true, and I think they care deeply that Spotlight wins something. It has to win something. What what they what they don't what what I'm saying is that a lot of the people who didn't care for Straight Outta Compton enough to put it at the top of their ballots to get it into the Best Picture race aren't going to vote for it here either. Right, and I mean it it makes sense. It's just it's it's uh, the same Academy. Exactly. It's the so. it's it's the same white male account. I mean, some of these ballots that have been um, uh, revealed over at uh, Hollywood Reporter. Scott Feinberg does this every year. I read them with fascination because you can just hear, you know, these two right. old male guys, right? You know, white guys, you know, talking about movies from their point of view and how they see things, like not recognizing Carol or Brooklyn is valid because they're on some level romances, you know, or, or, uh, they're just so uh, coming from that male place of not identifying with, with the other, you know, and diminishing the importance of, of, of women. All right, so we got a, we got a bunch more categories to go through, and, and they're getting more hotly anticipated as we move along. What's next on your grid? Supporting actress is um, this is a case where I've come around to the Danish girl, uh, partly because Alicia Vikander was um, when she won, she won for Ex Machina, and so this, and when she, I mean, excuse me, when she lost. It was in categories where she was up for Ex Machina. When she won, it was for the Danish Girl. So I'm I'm going to say she's going to win for the Danish Girl. And even though um, I would think that Kate Winslet could easily take it from her. 
the weakest movie in the category, but from an actress who kills it in another movie that's nominated in other categories. So maybe there's some weird sense of justice to all that. It's her year, you know, it's, it's this whole thing that happens where she's the it girl and it's also Testament of Youth and it's also Ex Machina, which is a popular movie. And, and, uh, I think, I think she's going to do fine. And she's the best. Guess what? Every review, everything written about the Danish girl, even if people liked Eddie Redmayne, they said she was the best thing in the movie. Totally great. Underutilized, all that stuff. Yeah. And then supporting actor, again, this is the narrative behind the narrative. It's Sylvester Stallone. He comes back after 40 years where he didn't win Best Actor for Rocky. He created Rocky. He's back as Rocky. He gets Rocky this time. You know, it, it, it just has to be. Even if Rylance or Hardy or Bale or Ruffalo all gave amazing performances, it's, it's just going to be Stallone. Yeah, it's a good category this year, and... Stallone is the kind of guy who totally fits that slot. So, moving on. Best actress, I think uh, everyone realizes and agrees, is, is Brie Larson. It's just what you and I said from the beginning. It's the part, the part she's playing and how well she plays it. You but know? do we think, I mean, could Saoirse Run be some kind of an upset here? No. I mean, people really like her in that role no. and the movie is liked and it's a Best Picture nominee. You think there's no way. There was a time when I thought there was it was between the two of them, but I think Brie has just pulled out. She's won everything, you know? Yeah. Sorry, Charlotte Rampling. <laughs> you don't get the Sylvester Stallone narrative just because uh, you've been around for a while, but that's a great performance. So too. nobody's going to take it away from Leo. That's easy. No prob. He's due. He's overdue. Lock, 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 lock. yeah. And uh, director is totally this is again I'm, I'm warning you that i'm saying george miller that's not necessarily what everyone else is saying it's between miller and inuritu but the fact that inuritu has not is would be winning twice in a row it just i just don't feel it but you're saying that. that versus something like chivo because there's just more inuritu has more exposure or I mean, what is what is the... that's interesting because obviously the two of them did uh, Birdman together, um, and uh, and he won the year before that for Gravity. I know he's he, you know they're both being rewarded for being extraordinary artists, you know, in in the purest sense of the word. Um, but and the revenant is my bit my pick for best picture i'm taking away i'm stealing my my thunder but but um i because it's got the scale and scope i just think mad max takes this one it's i i i, I think that george miller created a world out of his imagination and there isn't as much negativity around whatever happened on well, the set. This is what I was talking about last week, too. It's a, there's an air of almost arrogance to what Inuritu does, which bugs me a little bit, too, is this sort of the, the kind of, oh, he's the artist and everybody admires that about him. I mean, it, to me, it kind of feel, it feels like there's something performative about that that is kind of annoying. I just, I, I, I don't know enough about kind of how the, the Academy has related to him to see if that's also the case there versus Miller, who's this lovable Brit who makes this really Aussie. cool movie. Aussie. Uh, Aussie. 
excuse me, and, and just, you know, makes makes a movie like Inuritu exactly the way that he wants it, but has also been doing it for doing. And for so long. That. And he's 70. Huh. He was 70 when he made the movie. And and the thing is, it's for a whole career in George Miller's case. And he's a lovable, adorable, honorable, you know, incredibly driven guy. And and I think that that the negative there is that he's an outsider in a way that Inuritu is not. Inuritu is an insider here, believe it or not. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going on gut here. See, this is what I like, though, and about your picks versus a lot of other people, is that you do, you take some risks based on hunches, a lot of, like, I don't know, but there's just something there. It at least makes this these possibilities more intriguing because maybe you'll be really lucky and maybe you'll get a few really big categories wrong. But you're you're digging into it a little bit more. It doesn't it seem like it's. It has to do big. with the way people are perceived. I mean, the year, I people admire Inuritu. I mean, they really admire him and they respect him and they give him credit for this extraordinary achievement. And 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 he could win. He could win for that. Um, but but there's a there's an element that underneath that where I just feel like they're not going to give him everything. You see what I mean? They're not just, they're just not, he's, he's already this enormous ego. You His know? head's going to explode. Don't yeah, yeah. He'll, there'll be no containing him after that. Oh God. So best picture, Revenant, closed book. Well, That's no, it. this is where the preferential ballot comes in and, and it's, it's, uh, it's disturbing. You know, it could happen that any one of those three movies that we've been talking about would win. It could be Spotlight, it could be The Big Short, and it could be Revenant. And guess what? Nobody knows. But but everybody's going to claim they did later. <laughs> indeed. The late, you know, breaking momentum, especially the DGA going within Eureka, which, and it's, I think the DGA is a much more mainstream branch of, of the world than, um, than the Academy itself, where I think all the crafts people could go for George Miller in a way for director too, you know, the people who gave him all the tech nods that he's going to get. Um, but, uh, I just feel it's the, 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 the revenant has the momentum and, and will win, but I'm, you know, what do I know who put it at number two or number three or number one? I mean, I, I don't know. How could I? Well, one of the things that I, that I was thinking about is when this category gets upset, how it, how it winds up being explained that that upset happened. And, you know, last year we spoke about David Carr, who was the carpetbagger, and I remember how, uh, you know, because he just died this past year, but he was, he was the, the guy who sort of originated the carpetbagger blog on the New York Times and was one of the few who called Crash when everybody was saying Brokeback Mountain was going to win Best Picture, right? And that was like a last-minute change. I remember reading how it was sort of like suddenly the morning before the Oscars or something like that, he changed He changed his vote. Well, so, there were people listening to the voters that year, and I remember Pete Hammond at Deadline had been listening to them uh, that that knew that, that the crash had, had you know, and, and who understood the the problem. Because if you read the regular tea leaves that year, it, it was so obviously going to be Brokeback Mountain, but you know, we we now see you know that that was a problem. 
Right. So is there an upset this year? Could we, we theorize it's not so room, right? Room, right? So it would that be the one that would kind of emerge out of nowhere so that the, the version of Jack Nicholson who announces best picture is completely astounded and everybody else's as well? Yeah. Uh, if I were to pick one, um, a fourth but one. there could be Mad Max, you know, I mean, I Mad honestly Max don't is, think it will be. I don't think they, they want to put a sequel genre film, you know, to present as the, you know, best picture winner for the Academy. I don't think they want to do that, but, um, room won the audience award at, at Toronto. You never know. So the Martian and Brooklyn can go console each other at the Fox party and uh, <laughs> we'll be there with them. You and I are going to the Oscars. We're going to, well, so the weekend is, there's a lot of parties tomorrow night. You and I are going to go to a bunch. I don't even know where I'm going. I just follow you around. That's the, right. That's right. And then we're going to be at the Indie Spirits by the beach in the sunshine, hopefully on Saturday. Um yeah. Where I hope it isn't all, you know, boring. Um, I mean, there's at least a couple other movies that I've liked over the past year, like Tangerine and Heaven Knows What, that are being considered front runners in some categories. So that'll be nice. What's going to win the indie spirit? The big, the best, the best picture. Money's on Spotlight. It's another situation where you know that just seems like the obvious choice. There's no kind of bigger blockbuster kind of title that snuck in the way that uh, certain things have in the past. So in that sense, this is actually looking like a pretty good year for the Independent Spirit Awards. It'll be Brie Larson again, right? Yeah, but I mean, that's a small movie that was made in a very particular way, and Brie is definitely in the right kind of wheelhouse for this kind of honor. What about Best Actor? That's a tricky one, you know? I mean, it's... uh, it could go all kinds of different ways. I mean, it's obviously not going to be Leo because he's not nominated. But, uh, I mean, in the Independent Spirit Awards, you know, it's, it's a different voting body, right? I mean, there's some overlap in that sense, but it's not the kind of thing where, you know, just because this person has a lot of Oscar momentum, they're going to win in this or that category. Sometimes. So, you know, I feel like it's like that. Well, if something hijacks it, like the artist. The artist, yeah. That was just grotesque, right? Yeah. It was an American movie. But so you look at something like Best Actor, Best Male Lead, as they call it, and th- there's a lot of people here there who aren't nominated. Christopher Abbott and James White, terrific performance. Kudus Say Home in Mediterranean, amazing performance in a movie most people don't know about. Ben Mendelsohn, Mississippi Grind, Abraham Atta, Beast of the Nation, Jason Segel, The End of the Tour. I think the Sago performance is going to end up being the one that leads the charge. There's some strong support for Abraham Atta, and I think people who know Christopher Abbott like Christopher Abbott, but it just seems to me like the, the Sago performance, you know, that was expected to be a, 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 an Oscar uh, nominee. And to me, and, and, and didn't like, make it. that would be great. That would be wonderful if that happened. In that sense, it's a consolation prize in some ways. That'd but be I great. actually, I mean, I, I admit that one of the few movies in this conversation I haven't seen is Mississippi Grind. So I can't speak to Ben Mendelsohn. The, the other performers in that category are top notch. So I'd be cool with any of them taking it. But um, Sagal uh, seems like probably the surefire bet. So, but you know, we did a big poll of, of critics. Uh, asking who they think will win in different categories. I want to cede to them and and encourage you to go look through those options. Um, To me, I find more kind of the culture 
of award season kind of fascinating. And what I'm looking forward to as I head to L.A. tomorrow for the long weekend is just digging into this scene and seeing how people perceive it from the inside out because seeing it on, on the surface, you, you, people make a lot of general assumptions and they don't realize how hard people are working. You're working really hard. These filmmakers are working really hard. The, the Academy is working really hard. I mean, every facet of the business is trying to do something that they, in many cases, that they sincerely believe in. So in many ways, it's less about who actually wins than how everybody's dealing with the pressure to try and win in the first place. So <laughs> <laughs> having okay. said all that, I'm also really excited to just go drink champagne at the governor's ball and, you know, see how this thing goes down. I think Chris Rock is probably going to be hilarious. Outside of all that, you know, we're going to have a fun weekend. I feel pretty good about that. All so. right. I look forward to hanging with you. I'll see you out there. Thank you.